You're listening to Detroit Today on 101.9 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, I'm really glad you've joined us. All across the country in 2018, a pattern emerged as Democrats made big gains in congressional elections. Female candidates were ousting Republican men, especially in suburban districts. And that pattern played out right here in Michigan, especially in two Metro Detroit districts. I want to welcome to the program Congresswoman Alyssa Slotkin, a Democrat who now represents Michigan's 8th district. She defeated uh, former uh, former um, Congressman, oh man, I'm going to forget his name, Mike Bishop. Oh, yeah, Mike Bishop. That's terrible. <laughs> he was in Michigan politics forever. She defeated Mike Bishop in November. Uh, Alyssa, welcome to Detroit Today. Thanks for having me. Yes, and Congresswoman Haley Stevens, a Democrat who represents Michigan's 11th district. Welcome to Detroit Today as well. Thank you. I'm so glad to be here with yes. both of you. It's great to see you. Um, so talk about what the two of you represent in terms of your ability to turn districts blue from red. And as part of the so-called pink wave that we saw in 2018, it's been about six months, uh, five months since uh, you took your seats. Uh, give us an idea of how that has played out. I'll start with you, Alyssa. Sure. Well, I think, um, you know, for both of us, yes, we're female candidates, but we also had these massive organizations behind us of amazing women and men, but really led by women who organized our field campaigns, who got signs out, who held house parties in their homes. So we're standing on the shoulders of a ton of women who um, really made it possible. Um, I think we all are very aware of that. And then it's been amazing to be a part of the class that has the largest number of women ever. Um, I always like to remind people, it is the biggest class ever. It is still, we are only representing 22% of Congress. So lest we yeah. um, give up the fight, we still have a ways to go. It's a measure of how much work there still is to do. That's right. Uh, Alyssa, in your district in particular, there was real skepticism, I felt like, right up to Election Day that, uh, that you could pull off this win principally because of the way the district is drawn. Uh, it was it was pretty heavily gerrymandered in And it's in, hard uh, to unseat incumbents. And it's very hard to unseat incumbents. Uh, give us an idea of how confident you were that this was going to come together. Were there signs that, that said to you this was going to happen? Um, I think for me, so first of all, it was a tough race, and, and you're never going to know until election night. And it was a long night, it right? Was it was a long, long night. night. Yeah. Um, but for me, a lot of it had to do with how we were doing in places like Rochester and Rochester Hills, which we ultimately won. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, the people sort of had to come out a little bit in those areas, which tend to be Republican. Um, you'd see one sign go up in a neighborhood, and then you'd see five signs, and mm -hmm. then you'd see 40 signs. Um, and in Michigan, you know, that's how you kind of get out there. And we certainly knew we were winning the sign battle. That was an important uh, marker. And then... We had folks, you know, starting groups called Republicans for Slotkin, you know, and yeah. we had Republican women wi willing to go on ads and talk about why they were supporting me. So those are all strong indicators, but you do not know until that <laughs> night, and I certainly did not. Um, so it was great. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Haley Stevens, talk about your district, the 11th, which was less gerrymandered, I would say, than the 8th uh, in 2011. And it's still pretty creatively it's pretty, drawn, yeah, I, I mean, will say, a, for Haley. They're all... They're all oddly shaped, right? Uh, there, there were a lot of uh, dynamics at play there to try to tilt the scales in one direction or another. But, but talk about the same thing in your district. Uh, what, what, were there signs that said people want something different and they're willing to, to cross the aisle from the way they've been voting before? I think there were an emergence of new voices. I heard from people all 
throughout the campaign trail who are saying, I've never voted in a primary, I've never volunteered on a campaign, and now they're hosting parties, they're leading door knockings, and it was really exciting. I think in terms of Michigan's 11th district, the country's most robust automotive supply chain, the manufacturing economy was critical, drawing down on my experience having served in the Treasury Department as a White House appointee under President Obama on the U.S. auto rescue, serving as chief of staff on the initiative that saved General Motors and Chrysler and 200,000 Michigan jobs. We went out door to door saying, Haley Stevens stood up for Michigan. That's what we want her to go to Congress and do again, championing our innovation economy, championing workforce development, public education, and we never wavered from our message. So often in campaigns, you know, there's distractions or things designed to throw you off track, but we campaigned from day one to day end, and Alyssa's absolutely right. Elections are won and lost on one day, on that election day, and we ran it all the way up to the buzzer. Yeah, so you, you get elected, and go to Washington in January and you go as part of a new Democratic majority and almost immediately there are questions surrounding impeachment and constitutional crises. Uh, How do you think Congress should handle these questions? The impeachment question in particular is is kind of tricky. I think there there are people in both parties who are really scratching their heads about whether the Mueller report lays out enough evidence for Congress to to pursue impeachment. Alyssa, I'll I'll start with you. Sure. So, you know, I think that obviously it's very personal to each district. And I think people need to remember that, that every district has a different sort of demand signal that they're sending to their representative. For me, um, impeachment is not what people are coming up to me in the grocery store and talking to me about. They Hmm. want to know when we are going to lower the price of their son's insulin, Hmm. um, when we are going to get federal dollars in for infrastructure. Those are the things they stop me in the grocery store for. Um, it doesn't mean that they, anyone feels good about the president's actions as written about in the Mueller report, and I read every page of it. There's nothing to be proud of in there. But for me and for my district, impeachment is a political process. It's not a legal process. You have to bring people along. You have to look at what's really there. And I think we're in that process now. We have committees who have subpoenaed folks, and we're trying to bring Mueller up. Um, but my district is going to ask me to be very judicious about supporting impeachment because they're worried that other work won't get done. And I, I've been hearing that. Mm. Haley? We're certainly not in a rush to fail and shoot from the hip. I, we've got to take these matters seriously, uh, be responsible, and deliver on what we campaigned on. And Alicia's absolutely right. I spent Memorial Day in Waterford, and I had constituents coming up to me about their health care, uh, asking about infrastructure projects, asking me to come Come see a job training program and also saying we don't want to see this country divided and so the matter of what's constitutional versus what's political we've got responsible new leaders who have a lot of care and thought and understanding of why they are there and we are set to deliver for the country I'll tell anybody I will work with you if we can cut a deal I'll talk about bipartisanship or I'll talk about the things that bring people together. Sitting on the House Science Committee, I hold a gavel on the Subcommittee for Research and Technology, and it's the most remarkable thing. The last people there in every hearing are Midwesterners from both sides of the Mm. aisle. Mm. Uh, So I I, I wanna continue along that line of questioning just a little bit. Justin Amash, who's a Republican representative from the west side of the state, has said, He's looked at the Mueller report, read through it, and concluded that Congress should 
pursue impeachment against the president. Uh, and in the town hall meeting uh, this week, he was asked by someone about, uh, someone said, you know, you're there to represent us uh, and we don't necessarily want that. And he said, actually, I'm there to defend the Constitution. And that was why and how I was elected. Talk about how you sort of differentiate, I guess, your position. Well, he's a from strict constitutionalist. Yes. And I'm not here to talk about his position, but I will gladly tell you about the Stevens Amendment that we passed on Thursday as part of the Consumers First Act, H.R. 1500. I was out there on the House floor the last Thursday we were in session. This bill is the voice of small business. It requires small businesses, community banks, and credit unions to sit on the industry advisory board on the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau. I worked it. I know I'm in the majority party. (laughs) I was feeling good about my amendment, but I wasn't holding anything back, asking for everyone's vote. I got 418 votes to 10. Fortunately, Justin was not with me. He didn't vote for that, huh? Wow. Uh, Alyssa? So, uh, you know, I think on your question, there is a responsibility for Congress to provide checks and balances. That's why we're there. And th- that is something that is a, as given in the Constitution. So you have to take it seriously. And I think one of the things that we're struggling with is, you know, this administration tends to be, what I believe, to be one of the first in history that just has been summarily ignoring some of the fundamental roles of Congress. And we can't let that go by. Um, un touched, right? Mm. You have to address that because you're standing up not just for us and our seats, but you're standing up for the body of Congress and checks and balances that our founders, you know, put in place. Um, I I just think that um, Justin, certainly everyone was talking about him, you know, that was all the buzz in Washington, (laughs) as you can imagine, especially from the Republican side. Um, And I think that it's important to have different voices, just like we do, you know, in the Democratic side. I I think we on the Democrats were asked all the time, Haley and I, about our very big Democratic freshman class and voices coming from across the political spectrum. I think it's pretty good to be seeing that on the other side, too. Right. (laughs) Right? I I think that it's a good thing to have diverse voices. Yeah. Uh, Listen, you talked a little about uh, people asking you about when we're going to lower the price of drugs, uh, prescription drugs. Uh, the House recently passed some legislation that is aimed at addressing this issue. But, of course, in order for things to become law, we need the Senate yes. to do the same thing and the president to sign. Talk about this legislation. Sure. Though. So there's a, a suite of legislation, actually, that's gone through in the past couple of weeks. Um, but particularly related to prescription drugs, it's on pricing and how we um, get a hold and handle some of these predatory price increases. You know, So insulin's been through two predatory price increases in the past, I think it's three years. Um, and you can't say that we need to, you know, lower, we need, we, they need the money because it's for R&D because insulin was invented in 1923. Yeah, right. There's right? not like a lot of R&D on that. So it's a bunch of bills that are aimed at curbing those predatory price increases and just creating transparency, you know, so that you know when you go to the pharmacy that a drug costs X amount in one place, but then if you go across the street, it costs less. Yeah. Um, so it's a bunch of bills aimed at that. You're right. It does, in order to become a law, it does need to go through the Senate and signed by the president. But I think that's where you hear the Midwesterners' voices as the pragmatists, focusing on the things where the president has said generally the right things, and that's prescription drugs and infrastructure. Now, we had a a blow-up last week. Mm -hmm. He had a bit of an an issue um, in in an infrastructure meeting with Nancy Pelosi. Um, but if we're going to get something passed, it's going to be in those two buckets. And so that's where I focus my attention. Yeah, Haley? We need to be across caucus. We can't be totally titular with this. 
And there's 110 bills, more than, that the House has passed and we're waiting on the Senate. We just celebrated, put this in context, we just celebrated 100 years since the House passed women's suffrage, the 19th Amendment. Right, right. Two weeks later, 100 years ago, the Senate took it up and passed it. Fast forward 100 years later, how are we acting? Listen to those senators in the majority party who are starting to become squeaky wheels saying, we're not just here to approve judgeships. We want to get something done as a body. We took office in an unprecedented time, in the middle of a government shutdown. No other class in history has taken office under such circumstances. Between the House and Senate, there are less than 600 of us who are elected to the highest federal offices in the land to do and deliver for the taxpayers. People are counting on us. So when it comes to this topic on prescription drugs and some of the great steps that the House has taken, certainly on curtailing the predatory, working on an overall package that will really level set the cost, we have to work together and we can't kick the can down the road. Alyssa and I, people who flip seats, a lot of people in our caucus, we're here to get the job done now. Not score points on partisanship, score points for people. Yeah. Uh, before we have to end, I want to ask you both about next year. One of the really unfortunate things I always think about people who run for Congress is, yeah, you get elected and then you got to turn right around and run again. That two-year cycle is pretty pretty vicious. This will be the first re-election campaigns for both of you. I wonder um, uh, if you feel like uh, are your paths to re-election you know, maybe more difficult given your districts and how political wins tend to change? You flipped seats. Uh, are they in danger of flipping back next year? Haley? It's a brilliant thing to ask for people's votes, <laughs> and I will always <laughs> gladly do that. And I got on the committees that aligned with the campaign that I ran in 2018 and are allowing me to showcase some deliverables. I'll tell you, I've already had over half a dozen town halls. I had a coffee hour in Canton. We show up at the Panera Bread. So many people are there. It was like a town hall. So, and, and look, it's not all people singing my praises. They're asking the questions. We might not always agree, but I am here to listen. Listen, learn, and lead in that order. And if you don't understand why people are voting a certain way or why they have a certain voting history, you're not on the path to victory. Keep yeah. your finger on the pulse. Yeah. So I, I would think, you know, my Trump won my district by seven points. Mm -hmm. So there is no way that I can take anything for granted. Um, and just like Haley, I mean, you, we went into small communities in what are typically Republican areas, and we asked for people's votes. And they said, you know what? No one has asked for my vote in 40 years. Wow. So we're going to keep doing that. Um, and same thing. I mean, we, we, I am open, and I want to hear from people who didn't vote for me and who don't agree with me. Yeah. That is how I do my job. So we're going to do the same thing. Um, I don't have a, an opponent yet, so we'll see who gets in. And then it'll be another tough race. Yeah. But what about the money aspect of this? I mean, that, that's always something we talk about with congressional races in particular. They get more and more expensive each cycle. Uh, is, that, is, is that pressure different than what you would have thought it would be now that you're elected? It's, it's unlimited in terms of the laws that we have. And this is why the Congress, the House of Reps, our H.R. 1, our first bill for the people, was reining in some of that outside dark money, some of the corruption that we have. Again, we're still waiting for the Senate to even take it up. But we, we do need to rein it in. Some parts of fundraising is certainly grassroots, and that's incredible. That's how you get there. We've elected the most middle-class Congress in history. 
as Alicia said, the most number of women. Something in the channels enabled us to get there, but we do need to make improvements so people can do their jobs. Uh, Alyssa, you are already the subject of a lot of uh, Republican campaigning that I hear and see. Uh, how do you how do you how do you fight back against that? in the sort of money climate of politics uh, in Washington. Yeah, well, it's clear that our campaign finance system is broken. I mean, it's just straight up broken. And um, until we fix our laws, it's just going to be this kind of, you know, arms race um, in terms of dollars. And that certainly happened, unfortunately, in my race. In terms of how I defend against, um, you know, negative attack ads, that was the hallmark of last cycle in my campaign, you know, in, in our race. Um, and we stayed positive. We talked about what I was going to affirmatively do to help people's lives. I didn't throw mud. I don't believe in <laughs> campaigning that way. Um, and unfortunately, the other side didn't take up those same principles. And I had people come up to me and say, you know what, I'm, I, I'm a Republican. I've never voted Democrat, but those ads were just too nasty. And it's become for people like part and parcel of what they hate about Washington, that vitriol. So I'm not gonna I'm not gonna be a part of that. I just it doesn't matter what consultants tell me to do. I am going to stay positive and avoid that rhetoric. Return politics back to the business of making people feel good. Yeah. Okay, Haley Stevens, Democrat who represents Michigan's 11th district. Thanks for being here with us Thank on Detroit today. And Alyssa Slock, and a Democrat who represents Michigan's 8th District. Great to see you as well. Thanks for having us. All right, that's going to do it for us today on Detroit Today. We will be back tomorrow live from the dining room of the Grand Hotel on Mackinac Island. We're going to talk with Representative Dan Kildee from Flint, Secretary of State Jocelyn Benson, and Senator Debbie Stabenow. This is 1019 WDET, Detroit's NPR station, your connection to news, music, and conversation. We'll talk again tomorrow.